Hey, y'all. I know what you're thinking. Oh, my God. Not another podcast. And I agree. You know, I'm typically that person that doesn't listen to podcasts either. But my name is Will Johnson, and I'm here to bring something a little different for you. This is the At Homish podcast, creating spaces where we belong. Welcome back to the At Homish podcast, creating spaces where we belong. I have to say, I'm like so excited. I mean, we're only here at episode three and I've, I've gotten a lot of good feedback from people about, wow, I, I love the way you're explaining certain concepts. I love the way you're working to keep things within a certain time schedule, because as I mentioned, I'm a person that doesn't typically listen to podcasts. And so if I were to see one that was over an hour, I mean, unless it's like super good, I'm, I may or may not listen to it. And so talking to a lot of people that have that commute that's somewhere between 20 to 30 minutes, they're like, hey, I can get up, get in my car, put it on, listen to it. And it just works. I'm also kind of excited because I've had so many people come up to me and they're like, dude, your voice is just soothing. Like I can listen to you and it's relaxing and it's comforting as we're talking about some issues that can be pretty difficult. And so I I do just want to start off with I appreciate all the conversations that I've had with people over the past couple of weeks about what's going on. I have people constantly asking me about the merchandising that goes along with it. And hopefully we'll not hopefully we will get a website set up soon to where, you know, if you want to represent the at-homish podcast and represent having a community of belonging, those, those items will be available for you. And you know what? If I see you on the street, I will stop by and be like, that's my stuff. Because, <laughs> you know, it's awesome. We got to represent and support. I really was struggling a little bit to think about what I wanted to focus on for today, because when I think about the the previous two episodes, the first one was so in content, school heavy. And I want to reiterate that the concepts that we talked about aren't exclusive to the school setting. And and I want to say that when I think about school, school is a reflection of our community, which is a reflection of our greater society. And so as these places are mirroring each other, we can do things in school, do things in society, do things in our community that just really help to improve uh, creating these spaces. And so my goal as we continue to move forward is to look at different examples outside of the school setting. So what does this mean in a workplace? What does this mean in a home? What does this mean, you know, just in in general spaces and guests that we'll have on in the future, having them talk about some of their experiences, which now brings me to one of the things I want to share today is I understand in some of my conversations with people that it's really difficult for some people to make connections to some of the things that I'm talking about because it has not been something that they've necessarily experienced or that they are consciously aware of. So it's like, well, Will, I've, I've never felt like I did not belong somewhere. I've not had an experience where I did not feel safe or did not feel welcome. And so it's really hard to to understand these concepts and to know what to do for someone if I'm not understanding that journey. I hope that makes sense. And so I, I have to share that in my my lifetime, I have had not many, but I have had some experiences where 
I, I did not feel safe, where I did not feel welcome. I did not feel like I belong. I did not feel like it was a space that I could call home. And I'm, I'm going to share some of those today. And it's difficult for me to reflect on those simply because oftentimes when they happen, and, and maybe people can relate to this, when things happen that maybe threaten our our physical or our emotional safety, there there's that, that moment of, of disbelief, a moment of denial to where it's like, Oh my gosh, did, did that just happen? Or is am am I am I reading this situation in the right way? Like, wow, like how do how do I process this? And or do I even process this? Do I just bury it and and pretend like this didn't happen? You know? And when sometimes those things are buried, when we hear the story later, potentially from someone else, or we see something on the news. How I can, you know, resurface those emotions, those feelings, and, and then we have to deal with the whole thing all over again if we've never dealt with it. And so I'm going to walk you through a couple different scenarios that I faced and then kind of dig into some some common language uh, and a call to action on what we can do in some of these next steps. So as I mentioned before, I was born in Atlanta, Georgia, and my mom moved us out of the inner city to live in the suburbs, which like awesome. <laughs> right. And I, I know I may have shared this on another podcast where I was a guest. But when we moved to the suburbs, I remember my mom telling me that, um, hey, I want you to know that the, the neighbors next to us, it's a white family. And I'm like, oh, Okay, and and she's like, well, you don't treat them any differently than you do anyone else. And I'm like, okay. Now, mind you, I was like four years old at the time. So from the age of four, that has always been my mindset to not treat anyone differently based on the color of their skin. Great. So that's that's just really how I live my life. And when I was in high school, I actually dated a, a woman, a girl, <laughs> woman, <laughs> right? Anyway, I, I dated a girl who was white and I, I I tend to say European descent and I'll I'll explain that later on. But I dated a young lady who was of European descent and there was some concern for my family for my safety. And I'm like, well, like, why is this a problem? Like, that's old news. That doesn't happen anymore. And truth be told... During the time that we were dating, just the next county over, not far, I mean, like within like 10, 15 miles, there was an interracial couple where male of African descent, girl of European descent, where if I'm keeping it PG, there was harm done to both of them. And it was really eye opening to think like, wow, that that's happening here in the early 1990s. And. People might have that idea of, oh, no, that was the 60s. That was the 70s. No, this this happened during my lifetime. And, you know, also around a similar time, this was in 87. For anybody out there that may have been a fan of the, the Oprah Winfrey show, <laughs> there was a, a I think it was called a Freedom March in a town called Cumming, Georgia. And during that that Freedom March, there were members of the, the KKK that came out and was pretty much saying not in our town. Forsyth County, that's the county where the, the city of Cumming is. Forsyth County had a reputation of saying, well, we're not going to have any black people in Forsyth. And people 
just stayed away from there. Atlanta, being just an hour south, the birthplace of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., is like, really? How, how can we have this great civil rights leader who was born in this city just an hour south of this county where we know this this racist behavior is happening. But anyway, so you, you get these people that are doing this march and it was like thousands of cake, either KKK members or people associated with them that actually showed up that are throwing rocks at people, spitting at people, throwing bricks at people and pretty much ran them out of town. 87, when I saw that on the news, and they didn't bleep out certain words when I saw that on the news. And then when it was on Oprah and also on the Oprah show, they didn't bleep out you know, certain words. You can pull it up on YouTube. I was like, wow, this is so real, so raw, where just because of the color of my skin, I won't be safe somewhere. And so in, in the last episode, I talked about strategic avoidance. And what I mean by that is there are places and spaces where we don't go because we don't feel like we're going to be safe there. And what I love about having conversations with people, maybe I'm talking with someone and I'm like, oh, hey, I think I'm going to go to this place. And they're like, mm, well, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think that's the place you want to go. And, and so, again, when we have those conversations, what are we actually doing to say, no, we're, we, we collectively need to do something better to create spaces where we belong. But real quick about coming Georgia, because <laughs> uh, I told myself I would never, never, ever, ever go to that town. Never. Nope. Not going to go there because it's not safe, not a space for me. And uh, I'll come back to that in a moment because what I'm walking you through now is just if, if you've never felt that sort of hatred or hostility, I want you to know that it exists for people, you know, and I, because of how I identify, if I'm speaking, my truth can only speak to that. And so I'm going to fast forward a couple of years. So most of you know, I served in the army. So I was stationed in Alaska. In 97, I drove from Fairbanks, Alaska, back home to Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. I uh, visited my family for a little bit. And then I was on the road heading to Fort Sam Houston in San Antonio, Texas. As I'm driving on I-20, I was in a, I was with a group of cars that we were driving pretty fast, you know, we're making good time. And I'm looking at my gas tank like, ooh, I'm, I'm going to have to pull over here somewhere soon and get some gas. And <laughs> when, I, when I think about this, I, I really wish I was actually having this conversation with someone because Oftentimes when I tell this story in person to someone and I tell them, hey, I'm on I-20, they're like, OK, you're in the south. I'm in Louisiana. OK, and I'm not near a city. You can just see their, their bodies start to tighten up like, well, please don't stop somewhere in the middle of nowhere in Louisiana. But I did. <laughs> Spoiler alert. I made it. Anyway, um, <laughs> I see an exit. I see that there's a gas station coming up and I'm like, OK, let me let me go ahead and take this exit. So I take the exit and you could see the gas station from the freeway. So I figured, OK, I'm not getting too far off the road. It's going to be OK. Let me get in here. Let me get some gas and I'll get out. It'll be fine. This was, you know, in the early, oh, not early, it was 97, so late 90s. But, you know, I had to, I didn't have a, a debit card on me at that time. I had cash. And so 
I went into the, the gas station to pay in advance for gas. And I can't remember exactly how much money I had at the time. Gas was cheaper then. I think it may have been like a, a $20 bill or something, or maybe it was like 30 bucks, whatever. But anyway, I, or I give the guy the money and it's a, an older guy of European descent, <laughs> moderately overweight. I think about sometimes how we, we talk about stereotypes stereotypes of people this this guy would fit a stereotype of someone you might feel like you would see in that area but the t-shirt wasn't clean the t-shirt barely covered his stomach and i'm like oh okay let me just pay for my gas and get on out of here and so i i go back out i pump my gas and whatever amount of money i gave him whether it was 20 and a 10 or 20 and a 20 i actually had change that i would go back inside and get not going to lie, the spidey senses were tingling, okay? A truck pulled up, and it was sitting just right next to the, the building, not at a pump, not in a space, but just next to the building by the door. And I'm like, well, that's odd. Spidey sense tingling saying, well, mm-mm, bro, you do not need that change. It's it's not worth it. Just, just get in your car, drive off. <laughs> you don't need it. Yeah. But I was a poor soldier, so I'm like, I'm going to go get my money, right? I walk back inside the gas station, and shortly after I um, went into the door, the truck actually moved and was, like, more parked right in front of the door. And I was like, mm, that's odd. Because, you know, if it was moving, I'm like, well, why didn't it keep moving? But it moved and stopped. Okay. So then I go up to the counter and the guy is now just kind of leaning back behind the booth, behind the um, cashier's uh, stand. And I'm like, well, you know, here I am as a customer. Why isn't he actually up ready to give me my change? Because, I mean, the thing shows him how much change he needs to give me. Have my change ready and just give it to me. Right. And he's just leaning back. And I'm like, I'm just waiting for him to acknowledge me and say, like, hey, I just need my change. And he kind of like, you know, nods to me to wait for a second. Then I hear the door behind me and the person who was in the truck had now gotten out of the truck and they're standing inside the doorway. And I'm like, OK, so I got a guy standing at the doorway behind me. I got this guy at the counter who's not helping me. What's about to go down here? And I'm not going to I'm like, I'm sitting here like, OK, let me kind of, you know, stretch the muscles, but kind of inconspicuously because I'm thinking I'm going to have to fight my way out of this place if fighting is even an option. <sighs> yeah, you know, it's hard to even think about this because when I when I reflect on it, it's like, is that one of those situations where I wasn't going to make it out of there again just because of the color of my skin? So the the guy is behind the counter and he's like, "So, um, where are you headed?" And I'm like, um, "Well, I was driving from Alaska and I'm heading to Texas." And he's like, "Well, you're in Louisiana, son." <laughs> You miss Texas. And I'm like, oh, well, no, I was driving from Alaska and I visited my family in Georgia and now I'm going to Texas. Well, get your story straight, son. And I'm like, there's not a story there. This, this is. Oh, Whew. OK, hold on. I'm a soldier in the United States Army. I was stationed in Alaska. My next duty assignment is at Fort Sam Houston in San Antonio. I'm just heading to my next duty station. Oh, oh you're a soldier. Yeah, I'm a soldier. Then he just kind of gives a head nod. And I hear the door open. The guy walks out and leaves. I'm like, what the? 
But then he goes on to tell me like, oh yeah, well I served as an airman back in Nam, and I just served one term and and I'm just like, I, I don't want to hear your story. I want to go because <laughs> I felt like my, my life was in danger right then. And the only thing that saved me was that I was in the military, you know, and it's like, oh, <laughs> OK, let, 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 let me go. I shared that story for years from just my lens because that's all I can do. As I move forward in life, I've had some reflection. I had some time to reflect on it. And I've really thought about. I-20 during that time, and most likely still now, is a, a route for drug trade. And so you have people coming from Texas, going towards the Carolinas. Here's this guy in this uh, gas station by himself. Had they been robbed before? Have they had any negative interactions? Here's this beat up Grand Am with Alaska plates in Louisiana, <laughs> you know? And so, no, in that moment, I... I I was not making a connection with him and what he was feeling. I was thinking about my own personal safety. But years later, really looking at when I when I embraced that con that conversation around, I just want to make sure everyone gets home safely. Did he feel safe with me being there out of the blue with these Alaska plates on my car? Just something to think about. And and I, and I really want us to, you know, as we think about creating at homeish spaces where we belong. How are other people feeling? Why might they feel that way? Have, have have some empathy and understanding and believe people, you know, when they when they come to you with certain things. I'm going to share one more experience because I mean, I, I could there's there's nope two more, two more experiences because I feel that they're absolutely relevant to, to this conversation today. <laughs> and again, this one might be a little bit longer than normal, but I think it's good stuff. So <laughs> I'll call it out. I, I live in Muckleteo. And Muckleteo is a beautiful community. One of the things I really love about it is there's a lighthouse that's right down the hill. It's located on Puget Sound, Salish Sea. I can see Whidbey Island from where I live. It's just a great location. And, and one of the things that motivated me to, to move to that spot is I think about my mom. And my mom loves being by the water. We grew up in central, north central Georgia. So we weren't we, were, we weren't by salt water, but she always loved going to Savannah and being by the salt water. So I'm like, well, my, when my mom comes to visit, she'll be able to experience this. Now, I had friends who were like, well, do you really want to move to Old Town Muckleteo? Because there's not a lot of folks who look like you there. And I'm like, that's, that's never been a, a qualifier for me. I I'm one of these weird people, I feel, where I'm like, um, wherever I may roam, I'm, I'm that's where I'm going to be. And, and I'm fine. I'm going to find people that I'm cool with. I'm going to find people that I'm not cool with, but I'm not going to let things like that stop me. So moving to this place and there's a pizza place right around the corner from where I live. One evening, I'm over there. I'm hanging out. I had, had quite a few beverages. It was a good night. But I walk back from there and it's dark. I go to my mailbox, of course, which is right in front of my place, and I hear this car coming down the street, and the car is playing some rap music with some heavy bass, and I'm listening, like, because, you know, that's just what I listen to a lot, and I'm like, do I recognize this song? So I'm trying to listen to see if I, I know what the song is, but I, I couldn't recognize it, but now I'm kind of bobbing my head a little bit at the mailbox, like, all right, and, you know, I'm getting my mail out, and then the light changes, and all of a sudden the music gets turned down and the car peels out into the intersection and they yell back. I'm not going to repeat it because I like to keep my podcast PG. 
but they yelled out a couple words along with a racial slur before just up the hill. And I stood there frozen at my mailbox for a couple minutes like, did that just happen? Okay, well, I hope they just keep going up the hill and don't turn around and want to do anything else. Well, physically, I could probably take them, but maybe they have something else on them. Maybe I need to get out of the street before something else. I, I, I was just frozen. I'm like, and that's right in front of where I live. And so, I mean, in, in, in my life right now, when I look out my window, I, I see that intersection. When I walk anywhere in my neighborhood, I walk by that spot. Now, granted, that happened back in August of 2019, and that's the only time that that's happened in that community, but it happened. And oftentimes I reflect on that when I think about, oh, I'm just going to go for a walk. Nope. No, I'm not. Going back to that term of strategic avoidance. Well, you realize that maybe you haven't had a lot of negative things happen in regards to your race or ethnicity because you don't put yourself in situations where you experience that. Um, yeah. OK. So, again, when we talk about spaces where we belong. What things do we intentionally avoid? Where do we not show up? Where do we not be ourselves just to avoid that the possibility of that negative thing happening? Final story for today. I might share more at another time, but like I mentioned, I haven't had it happen too many times. This would have been in April of 21. I went to a mall to watch a movie because, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, why not? But I went by myself and it was a good movie. Absolutely enjoyed it. And as I'm leaving the movie theater, I hear these kids pretty much. They almost seem too young for high school, but, you know, it could have been like ninth grade or, or middle school age. But we we know how kids tend to talk. Right. And what I was making out because I wasn't really listening to them. What I was making out is that they were teasing somebody. OK. And they were teasing them about their size. OK, for those of you that know me, no comments, whatever. But I'm not a small guy. And I heard some comment about oh, blocking out the sun or it's dark or whatever. And I'm like, OK, whatever. And I'm like, dark. OK, so whatever. And I'm thinking that they're like teasing maybe somebody their age or somebody else that they see. And out of the corner of my eye, I realize, wow, I'm the only person out here with these two kids. Let me call them that. When I stepped off of the sidewalk to walk towards my car, I guess maybe the, the angle of, of my hearing at that point is when I could very clearly make out them saying the N word and some other stuff along with it. And I'm like, <laughs> are, are, are you for real right now? Again, that denial, that that disbelief of are you trying to tell me that if I'm giving any power to the word in the interaction that I don't belong here at the mall. I'm not safe here at the mall. Like, wow, wow, people, seriously. And so then I'm like, I mean, I had so many thoughts going through my mind. And if I'm being honest, one of the thoughts that really went through my mind was those kids are lucky <laughs> because I know some folks that may have decided, you know what? I'm going to go confront these kids. And that could have played out all kind of ways. And when I think about my role as someone who works in public education, 
the things that went through my mind is I don't want to be on the front page of the newspaper saying that this grown man beat down two kids because they were picking on him. No, 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 I'm not going to do that. But like the audacity, honestly, of these kids, like here, here is an adult not even interacting with them, but it's okay for them to use these, these racial slurs and, and taunting and teasing. What does what does that mean for how they're interacting with their classmates, their schoolmates or people they might see in the community? And the, the main point I want to get out of sharing this with everybody is that please believe that there are people out there. If, if you don't already know this, that are engaging in this behavior that make people not feel safe, that make make them feel like they don't belong based on just the color of their skin. And again, I'm speaking from my experiences on that because the same is true for neurodiversity. The same is true for gender identity. The same is true for, for age. We have people in our society, in our community that just aren't good people, if we want to call it that. <laughs> but um, yeah, so again, I wanted to share those stories and really think about what we can do to improve what our spaces are like. When I've told people this story, the majority of people have been like, oh man, if I would have been there, I would have said something to those kids. And I'm like, thank you. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Because what it takes to resolve this is when these things happen, that we speak up. We, we speak up and speak out against it. And beyond that, that we educate ourselves and others that this is just not OK. So parents, if you're listening, talk to your kids. If you are someone in a space where you work with kids, talk to your kids. If you have friends that talk this way or act this way, talk to them because and I'm going to I'm going to talk a little bit more about this because I'll be doing some presentations at some schools later. There's a quote from Dr. King that says a threat to justice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And what I want people to take from that message is when someone doesn't feel safe and they don't feel like they belong, a natural response is potentially for them to work to protect themselves. So how now are they going to show up to make sure that they aren't going to be the subject of harm or hostility? Are they now holding on to something to protect themselves? Are they now posturing or acting in a certain way, acting in a certain way to be bigger, to be to be safe, puff up like a puffer fish, you know, but that adds stress and anxiety to people and they're not able to be their authentic selves simply because we are now creating these spaces of hate and hostility and not having spaces where we belong. One of the things I have in my notes here is about a common language. And I referenced earlier about the whole concept of being of European descent. We'll get much deeper on this in another episode. And I don't think I've talked about it in any of my podcasts, but I, I think I mentioned it maybe in another one that I've done. So check out some of the other ones I've been on. Soul Filler Diaries, <laughs> Snohomish Storytellers, The Market Maven, just, just to name a few. But the concept of... When we talk about our personal identity, okay, and we need to be understanding self and others, it's going back to the, from the first podcast, when we talk about our identity, really looking at it through the lens of our ethnicity, our place of origin, as opposed to this concept of race, okay? I'll jump off into some critical race theory for a second, where race is a social construct that was designed to group people together just by some superficial characteristics. 
I'll let you marinate on that for a minute. But white is not a place. Nobody's from white. Black is not a place. Nobody's from black. And so whenever I refer to people, I try to be more in the habit of referring to if it gets to the point of superficial identity of European descent or of African descent uh, or of Asian descent, just because then we can identify some potential physical characteristics if that's how we need to identify folks. I had somebody ask me one time, so, well, how should I identify you? By will with one L. That's how you <laughs> just keep it real simple. But if we have to get into, oh, let's get into like physical characteristics. You can call me some uh, bold coffee with like some, a little bit of sweet cream, just a little bit because, you know, <laughs> but it's interesting when we think about what black and white means in this country, in this world and the history that's attached to it. And again, that's probably something for a whole nother episode. But I just wanted to provide some common language around why you may hear people saying European descent, African descent and what that means. And so my call to action for you all today is when people are sharing their stories to be present. One of the, the biggest obstacles for people feeling like they belong is, you know, realizing that their story matters to people. If people are, are not listening or they're dismissive. It's hard to feel like you can be, you know, an active participant in a space and believe the experience. I was talking with someone earlier, earlier today, even, and I was telling them about, oh, yeah, here's a situation where these kids were calling me the N word behind them all. Oh, my God, I can't believe that. OK, is it you can't believe it or you don't believe it? Because, I mean, those are two different things. But oftentimes in some of those conversations, people will say, oh, well, I've never experienced that. Hmm person of European descent, you've never been called the N-word or you've never seen that, this doesn't surprise me, <laughs> you know, but can you, can we now believe that is something that is happening with our students who, who, who look a certain way? And so along with being present, believing the experience, be a learner and you're already doing that. So I'm going to like say kudos to you because listening to this podcast, you're enhancing your learning and your ability to engage in conversations. And I also say, hey, go listen to some music, read some books, watch some movies. I can maybe put a list on the website. Maybe I'll, I'll do that. Just some some recommendations of, of some good resources that people can can access, because the more we enhance our individual learning the better we will be able to engage in those challenging conversations when they come up. I know I mentioned that in the first one because I actually went back and listened to it. I'm trying not to repeat stuff too much. That's a lot for today. And I know I wanted to keep it brief. I'm not keeping track of my time personally, but I feel like everything that I had to say today was you know, relevant to the, the message. And uh, I want to thank you so much for listening to the, the At Homish podcast, creating spaces where we belong. Hit that, that follow, subscribe button. Like it, share it, talk about it, hunt me down, find the merch, <laughs> give me your thoughts on all this stuff, because I, I definitely want I want and appreciate your feedback. And I remember reading something a while back that we do it for a cause, not applause. But if people aren't listening, why are we doing it? When we wise up, we rise up. Thank you so much. Thank you.